0: As you know, this is Measure of an Episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good Star Trek episode and not just good TV. Or in this case, bad TV. Really bad TV. Last time... Are you serious? Uh, Yeah. Oh my gosh, I
1: I loved this episode. (laughs) Really? Well, well, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Uh, So, what were we supposed to watch? Uh, The Search, Part 1 and Part 2. with. Odo and Kira getting on the love ship.
0: No, that's that's part two. Part one is well, almost as shitty as part two, but not quite. Okay, so so let me read the blurbs. We did the blurbs last time. Here's the blurb. Right. part one. Preparing for a possible invasion by the Jem'Hadar, Kira determines that Deep Space Nine lacks the firepower to defend itself, which only encompasses about the first three and a half minutes of the episode. Like right, episode the episode is open. not about that. Yeah. uh, Part two. Odo and Kira have landed on a lone. I didn't write it down. (laughs) On a lone planet. I just have lone. Odo and Kira Uh, have landed on a lone in the (laughs) Amurion Nebula, which they have discovered is Odo's home world, which is a huge like I guess that's not a uh, that's kind of a a spoiler. No, that happens in in the cold
1: open as well. Like the uh, on the second in part two. The, the be- well, no, the, the first episode ends with that, uh, the, the being open, That's true. Like, you know, and she's like, welcome home or whatever. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So I should tell everybody, I, I do not remember any of this show. I know that I've oh. watched it at one point, probably in high school, but I have no memory of any of this stuff and I'm skipping all the recaps because especially this one, because this was a season opener, right? Because I want to just I want to I want to see if I can I want to analyze every episode in, in as much of its own bubble as possible.
1: Actually, let's let's go ahead and set it up where I watch the recaps and you don't. Um, I didn't think the recap was necessary for this episode uh, for part one in particular.
0: Well, I was wondering where Cisco was and then he shows up, obviously, for the big reveal. OK, so we need to talk about this. Let's talk about this sort of in a, as a general. light like so you liked this, this whatever this was. I
1: didn't see it as um as one 2 hour long episode. Uh, that that is not how it viewed to me. It viewed as everything was set up in the first part um almost like it was all just exposition that we needed to know and it needed to be fleshed out like that and then the second one was where all the action took place. Because the the first one there there wasn't a sci-fi problem at all. Like there the 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 problem was negotiating with the new species or culture and i feel like that's that's not a sci-fi issue
0: yeah i mean the only the only moment where i was like okay this is star trek was when they're in the defiant cloaked and they're being tracked by those two jim hadar ships and that was there was like there was legitimate tension there where they had a problem they solved it with some techno stuff and it was easy to understand and i felt like that that was a cool moment right other than that i don't think it ever happens in the in both parts where it felt like star trek to me it just felt like a political i mean thinly veiled statement on racism almost like it 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 did not feel like star trek to me at all did it to you
1: the much bigger premise of ds9 um it is trying to show like the cracks in the federation and that it like how what you have to do to maintain peace.
0: Let's kind of baby step through what happens. So, it okay. starts off, there's going to be a Jem Hadar invasion of some kind, right? And they're like, we can't possibly win unless we destroy the wormhole. And that's an option, but that's not an option the Kira wants. And so, Cisco shows up magically with this new ship that isn't designed to help them defeat an invasion, but he wants to take it and talk to the founders, the the founders. Fa- the okay. founders. And so they're like, oh, th- this seems like a bad idea. And they're like, well, that's the only idea. And it's like, okay, well, let's go do it. I guess they don't know where to go. Right. It seems like the, it's sort of a, it's like a mystery plot for the first episode in a way.
1: Quark has already made some negotiations with another species on the gamma quadrant. Delta. Right. right. Over there. Can
0: we, can we talk just as an aside, what a stupid name Quark is? It's so <laughs> dumb. It's it's so like fifties sci-fi. Well, it's in like Ferengi, same- it
1: means handsome.
0: Yeah, but it's also like Dude, the I name of a still of a stellar object. It's like if it was Lieutenant Commander Nebula and Captain Supernova, right? <laughs> it's like you don't, you couldn't come up with a better name than Quark. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so okay, so the first bit of actual tension happens when they beam Dax and uh, O'Brien, Irish guy O'Brien, Cole and the a super lame set for like an alien set, right? It. With the,
1: with complete with the Tesla coil in the background. Yeah. So I, I will say that, um, I know that it was kind of leading into it, but, um, the, the camera work when Dax and O'Brien were working on it. Um, I was like, it's, it's being held. Like there's somebody watching them and then they got attacked and I was like, Oh, it's because it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Now I, I was gonna say, do you remember if it if the first one was directed by the first part was directed by Jonathan Frakes? Because the second part is.
1: Oh um, no, I, I didn't I actually I actually went back to see who wrote it, but I didn't look to see who directed
0: it. This is where it starts to feel really weird, and maybe that's on purpose, right? Because the Defiant gets attacked and then Dax and O'Brien are attacked on the planet in this, this weird control room that's four feet by four feet. Right. But they put that's like a storage room they put everything into. Right, right. Oh they totally. kept it plugged in. Yeah. Um, Well, but the
1: other thing too is it was unmanned, so it wasn't designed to hold people in it. So I was, I, I was willing to concede the space for it, given the fact that it wasn't supposed to have lots of people there.
0: Okay, all right, I'll, I'll say then why did have lights? But anyway, we don't need to talk about that.
1: So I do want to say about the first episode, um, the the B plot, because the the A plot was about getting over to the the other quadrant and trying to find the founders. The B plot was odo's story but it felt very much like he wasn't a part of the story everyone was like what's going on with odo is odo okay should we talk to odo
0: and he's always supposed to be kind of cantankerous right but but he was super cantankerous the the scene with him on the defiant with odo with Quark, where it's yeah sorry with odo and quark it was so overly acted he's just yelling at him And I mean, the only person who who really the only two actors who I felt like were just sort of acting naturally in this whole episode were Quark and Garrick. They just felt like regular people talking to people. Everybody else is is super earnest and they're
1: yelling all the time. I remember Odo being much crankier in this episode. And I think the again, this might have been me projecting, but I think it was a specific direction because he was now so much closer to his home planet he was super irritated that, like, there was this thing calling to him and he didn't know, like, he just it was weighing on his mind and he didn't know why or what it was. Um,
0: right. He's, like, on edge or something like that.
1: Yeah, like, because the same thing, like, when he, when he sees the nebula, like, he just suddenly completely mellows out and gets, like, just absorbed into just that location on the map. They needed Odo,
0: obviously, for what happens later in the plot, but they don't integrate him at all. He's just sort of just cranky and pissed off that he got fired. And I, the I, the reason that he got fired, it was unclear because it's like, oh, they don't trust him. He's not a team player. But yet he was doing just fine for two. Like, why don't they trust him after two years?
1: For the for, for the last two seasons, they've been tolerating him because like what Cisco said, that he he's not a team player. He um, he doesn't. He he gets the job done, but he doesn't do it by the Federation rules. And so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where we appreciate what you're doing, but we really wish you'd follow the rules. And then now that they brought the Defiant on and the Romulan security guard or whoever she was, um, like they were, they were basically saying, we need, we need someone that we know is going to follow Federation protocol and we don't know you're going to do that.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Fine.
1: Cisco and Bashir... Are on a, on a, an escape pod in a, on a shuttle. They they were badly right, he's, damaged. And he sort
0: of yeah, he's sort of saying like we only have twenty percent life yeah. left, and we we're kind of adrift or something. Or our engines are going to fail soon. And then like, I I don't know if I accidentally fell asleep, but didn't magically the 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 rear like. Did they get I get they get tractor beamed or something like that and then just the back door opens and they're on deep space 9?
1: Oh no, they they weren't just magically on deep space 9. Their their external sensors were out, so they couldn't see anything that was happening outside of the shuttle. They didn't know what was going on and then suddenly a tractor beam hit them. Um or they assumed it was a tractor beam. And then the back doors open and it was O'Brien and Dax. Um and they were like we thought you were dead and they're like no no no, we, you know, we uh I forget what they said about like if it was the Jem'Hadar or if it was somebody else and they um they managed to escape but they they came from DS9 with a search ship, found them, and they were taking them back.
0: Okay. All right. I must have accidentally looked at my phone and then looked up and they were back on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Is this the point where we're introduced to the Swarmy new security chief guy? Yeah. I don't remember no. when that guy comes in.
1: No, he was introduced in the previous episode, but it was he was taking he was introduced when Odo was relieved of command. But I don't okay. think he did anything for the rest of the episode.
0: No, he doesn't come back. Until the middle of the second part, right? And it's weird because they set him up as being kind of this like he's kind of hitting on Kira a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, there's going to be some sort of tension here. And actually, I know that at a certain point they get together, Odo and Kira, but I don't know if it's happened and they've broken up or if it hasn't happened yet. But it's it's weird because they're written so vaguely in that way. Like she's being super supportive, maybe a little bit too supportive for somebody who is just a colleague.
1: Right. They, they have not hooked up yet. He has not told, I don't think he tells her until like season five or something. It, um, it's a long time.
0: I was expecting there to be some sort of jealousy on Odo's part when the, the guy starts hitting on Kira, which never comes back, I guess, cause she leaves. <laughs> so right. he can't hit on her anymore. He was, he does make on it a little difficult. Else. Yeah. So there's a moment where Cisco and Dax have a scene together. Okay. They're doing something. There's like the sexual tension there where they're looking at each other weird and I know that they're supposed to have known each other when she was in a different form of some kind. It always feels like they're having sex, and they're, they're but they don't talk about it like they have some sort of unspoken rule, so it makes their sex life more interesting when they have sex. Everything that they said to each other seems to be soaked in sexual tension did you did you not get that no <laughs>
1: i no oh come on
0: no it's I, like but every, again. like when they when they look at it they like, like, kind of smirking and it's like it's kind of flirty but We're already having sex kind of flirty, not in a pre-sex flirty.
1: Right. But again, I'm 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 watching it, you know, I guess with a slightly different tint, because I I know that she used to be an old man like Cisco calls her old man all the time. Um, And so like I I am viewing their dialogue from that angle. And so like the even if the sexual tension is there, I don't think I would have noticed it until you brought it up because I'm not watching for it. Although I have to ask. So okay. let's say
0: this Dax is real and you know that this Dax used to be an old man that you knew. Would you be attracted to her? She's a very pretty lady.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we as, a, as an old dude, we probably would have had some bar conversations about some like some girls that we, we were with. Um, and I was bound to say, you know, she did this amazing thing or she did this thing and it like totally threw me off. Um, and so if in this new body, like she was down to clown, I, I would totally be all over that like spots on a deck. <laughs> um because, because somewhere in the recesses of that old man brain, like she would know some of the things that I'm into
0: that, that I wouldn't even, my brain wouldn't even go that far. I'd just be like pretty lady, the, you know, the gears are turning,
1: right? I don't, I don't think I would push it ever because <laughs>
0: but you're open to it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So one of the, one of the seeds, it was, uh, I'm sorry you didn't like this episode. Cause the only thing that threw me off was when Kira goes to that, like open area and she's like, Odo, is that you? Are you a tree? <laughs> yeah. And then knowing that she's on a planet of changelings and they can all turn into anything. She then begins to tell him her plans of how she's going to, like, go investigate this thing and try to find out what it is.
0: I don't think Kira has enough information to automatically assume that they wouldn't want her to do that.
1: But they told her not to make any contact with the outside, like, to, to yeah, to not communicate with anybody while on the planet.
0: Right, but that's not researching a door. Had she found the door at this point? Or was yeah, she, she just... found the
1: door and she was, well, no, okay. she, I don't, no, I don't think she found the door, but she did know that there was a power source coming from beneath the planet's surface.
0: So I don't think that they would have. I mean, I don't think that she would think, "Oh, they're not going to like this. We have to keep this a secret." Right? Okay. Let's jump ahead for a second, so we can talk about this. Okay. So the whole the whole thing of this episode, the whole conceit is that all of part two and some of part one are all taking place in the heads of the people who were captured. None of part one. None of part one. Right. Oh, so, so they're captured, and then part two happens. And then so all of part 2 is them they are captured and hooked up to an inception machine where they're sharing each other's right and so that's why I get, when I why it gets weird and that's I mean I was actually feeling I was wondering to myself okay is this when I was watching it is this one of those episodes where not everything is as it seems and I I probably wasn't in tune enough to the show I mean were you ever feeling like oh this is this is not right. Something is, is bad. Something is going wrong.
1: No, because I feel like I remember them actually like the, the wormhole stopping at some point. And, um, and they, they were trying to figure out why it went down or, you know, um they were trying to figure out how to bring it back. And so I thought this was the episode that shut the, the wormhole down. Um, And so I was, I was totally riveted and I did not see the twist coming. I mean, I
0: didn't either, but it did feel like, it could have been that but there weren't
1: enough nods to it the the thing that i felt made it you know made me go okay um that that explains it like that makes a lot more sense was because the um the tension and like the um the obstacles were getting more and more intense like they they were not there wasn't one issue that they were trying to deal with which is usually what happens on an episode like they they were, the the tension was getting super high on DS Nine. The peace treaty was going through without the Romulans. The peace treaty was then signed. Like Cisco and that entire team were putting their careers on the line. Um, you know, they they then had I think the the Jem'Hadar were going after them. Was started to started to go after them. So you know, like other than all of these obstacles building, you know, I was like, where? How are they going to finish this? By the end of the episode.
0: So you didn't feel like it was sort of stiltedly written? It just didn't feel like everything they were saying was like on the nose? And maybe it was the act. Maybe I'm just not used to it. And maybe I just need to get used to DS9.
1: Well, yeah, because I actually felt the opposite. I felt that this, the the conversations were a lot more flowing and natural than they were on Voyager.
0: Well, no, I'm not saying Voyager was better.
1: Okay. But I I, I totally... Uh, empathized with cisco's confusion and frustration um with the the peace treaty going on um and dude, 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 who else um i felt kira was a little um not not stilted but a little too understanding for everything that had just happened <laughs> i felt that about way about everybody
0: when they all wake up and they're in the just in this room wouldn't you be furious
1: I mean, oh, at the end know, of basically, it,
0: basically, yeah. Like they basically kidnapped these people, put them into a simulation to see what would happen, and then at the end of it, they're like, "Want to beam up? Don't do that again, though." It was weird. It was just that. And then who was in the Defiant waiting for them to be yep. to be, be, like,
1: like what? Yeah, who was would, waiting for them? Right. Yeah, the first five to go up. I was like, wait, are they literally calling the Defiant and saying, "Beam me up"? <laughs> Is that a thing you can do? I mean, I
0: thought I could explain it away myself and that like, oh, maybe the computer knows Cisco's voice and so it knows to beam them up automatically.
1: But yeah, I mean, he does say Cisco to Defiant and I was like, who's going to call? Who's going to respond to that? Yeah.
0: Like, and who was standing by idly while his captain or their whatever commander was being operated on or whatever?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was the big question for me as far as like, you know, Star Trek problems and continuity to the to the baseline though i was i was actually you know the 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 resolution i thought was you know that it was all a dream and they were just inception but the the resolution to the episode actually was a a non sci-fi resolution which was the ethics the ethics discussion with the changelings um and she was like no changeling will ever harm another changeling so we're going to let you go um you know so it it was it was a stalemate between between two individuals rather than you know, a sci-fi, a sci-fi, you know, hand wave or, um, an actual resolution. (laughs) So between, between the two episodes, um, between our, our two podcasts so far, having careers on the line was way more tense than worrying they were going to die. Like in the, in the Voyager episode,
0: both of these, both of the episodes, the two that we've done so far, the swarm and the the of the search. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both, all three of these episodes, um, all are sort of on par writing wise. And, and like, I didn't, it just felt very, I know where I have to get the how, where I have to go or where I know where I have to get in terms of narratively, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to creatively get there. I'm just going to get there. It just didn't have a lot of finesse to me. There's a line that totally stuck out to me. It's when Garrick says we have an old Kardashian saying enemies make dangerous friends and that's just one of those things that somebody writes down that kind of sounds deep but is like a, it's like a no shit that yeah of course that that's not something that like oh yeah you're right I right never thought of it that way it's like saying never brush your teeth with a cat it it just felt like bad writing it wasn't it didn't impart any kind of like oh that's a good point like it wasn't wise it was supposed to be this wise saying and it wasn't that that kind of encapsulates the whole episode for me
1: I wonder if. I like these characters more, or if I think like the actors are better than the ones in Voyager, because you, you saw these two episodes on on parallel with each other. And I thought, I thought they were polar opposites. I thought this one was much like I, I cared about the characters. I, I was following along with like, with the dialogue. I feel like this one didn't have a sci-fi problem. I think it was still a sci-fi setting. Well, the, the, at the end of the episode, we find out that it's
0: this weird simulacrum i guess that that but we don't know that until the
1: end even there that wasn't the problem that was just um that was how the problems were being presented right rather than the actual like the the problem wasn't that they were in the mind simulation the problem was what was happening in the mind simulation
0: right which kind of cheapens it in a way because you get to the end and you're like oh we're starting back at the beginning now like we we got to the end of part two. And nothing that happened actually happened. It's it's the same thing as waking up like at the end of an episode, and it was all a dream.
1: Not see, I, I not not entirely because they did find out who the founders were, um, and the Dominion and the founders learned that the Alpha Quadrant would not would not bow down so willingly.
0: But did they really think that they would? I mean, I understand that that's why they are running the simulation, but they had to. They had to go through this huge deal to kidnap them to run this simulation. So clearly they knew that it was going to be kind of hard, right? It's the Federation. As far as I can tell, the Federation is like the biggest organization in
1: space that we know of. Yes, but it's right? the biggest organization organization in the Alpha Quadrant. The, this quadrant that they're in, I can't remember if it's the Gamma or the Delta because of Voyager. But, you know, so all they know is there's this single tiny ship with lots of guns. Um, and so they, they took this crew and they put them in the simulation to see like, you know, yeah, you may like, are you big because you concede on everything and you're just, you, you just kind of want to be the, the, the head person, but you're not actually doing anything or are you actually disciplined and, and moral and you're able to, um, you know, the, the negotiations are literal negotiations and not just you giving everything away.
0: I can see your point. I, I just feel like that's not, that's not a huge revelation to dedicate an entire two-part or two, right? To get to the end of it, and that's the information that was that was gained. One thing that hit me uh, about this episode was that you could probably just listen to it, and you wouldn't miss anything. I bet I could have watched this without easily. watching it without watching it and it would have been fine.
1: Um, I, I don't know about DS9 specifically. I, I'm thinking of a TNG episode where you had to be watching um, the one where like they were just with visual cues telling telling everybody to put the two intruders on the bridge into a personalized. So this, this overall was kind of just a, a mediocre episode in general. It doesn't, it doesn't fall under so far. It doesn't fall under our Star Trek, um criteria of having a sci-fi problem with a non-sci-fi resolution we had a non-sci-fi resolution but everything about this episode was kind of just non-sci-fi in general yeah
0: it was just a political episode yeah i would definitely say not a good star trek episode yeah that's my vote
1: and i i've yeah and I, i would agree with that um i i thought it was a great episode obviously you and i disagree on that but i thought it was a great episode but based on what we figured out And honestly, now remembering that DS9 is kind of a serial political show, we may have to adjust what our criteria is for a Star Trek episode. Otherwise, almost none of DS9 will be a Star Trek episode. DS9 ran with the Gene Roddenberry concept of it being thinly veiled political issues. Um, And they almost completely took out the sci-fi problem aspect of it because they ran with the political side. Um, you know, which also made me think of the the episode, which is considered like one of the seminal Star Trek original series episodes where um, there's two alien races that cannot get along with because they they have opposing black and white faces. If we are doing the slight comparison of, you know, like two different cultures versus two different alien races, therefore it's not really a sci-fi issue then that episode wouldn't be considered a Star Trek episode because that's not a sci-fi problem. I think
0: for this episode, the, the, the biggest offense in in terms of it not being a Star Trek episode is the science fiction aspect of the whole plotline, which is just revealed at the end, um, doesn't really play into the episode except as a resolution, except as a step away to step away from the plot, right? In terms of the other stuff, there is a non-sci-fi resolution, which is sort of the political Odo aspect. Um, but because they didn't really nod to the whole simulation thing, it just kind of happens at the end. It just—I I felt like they could have—it could have just been not, they could have been asleep. It could have been anything, right? There were there was no the, the whole science, hard science fiction aspect of it didn't play into the plot right. at all. I mean, it was just kind of—it's actually pretty actiony for for a Star Trek episode. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. No. And I—I I, that's what I was saying about how like the the tension just kept mounting. You know, there was there was problem after problem, and they kept trying to figure. You know, have to. They they just kept building on each other rather than being a problem with a solution and then a problem with a solution. Um, which, right. which which is just very not Star Trekky. It didn't
0: feel like there was ever that where they would reconnoiter an and and like have some sort of plan where that they would execute that w- had to do with something with science fiction. You know what I mean there wasn't that sort of science fiction procedural aspect of them trying to get of tr- them trying to accomplish their goal. Right. It's just them going from point A to point B to get to the end of the episode basically.
1: Well yeah, I mean it was just what you said it was very actiony for that reason like they they never they never had a chance to debrief and try to come up with a solution other than the time where they clearly did that was never shown on, on camera.
0: It was sort of the Ocean's Eleven type of thing where they came up with the plan, but the audience doesn't know it. Right. And we just get to watch them execute the plan, which is outman and outgun a race of military beings. <laughs> like, right. Like, in my mind, Kira, Odo, and any of them should should stand absolutely no chance against any of these. The, the Jem'Hadar. Zero chance. It's the sort of the same thing as when they're up against the Klingon, right? Right. These people have been training to kick people's ass since they were children, right? Right. And you've had some star. Tr- I'm sure you've had some Starfleet training, you know, to do the the open handed punch.
1: Well, and the, and the two fisted punch.
0: There's no way right. any of these people are going to defeat these super huge like military badasses but all of them get, they get dispatched almost immediately.
1: I think there would be a couple blows just to throw them off, but, um, yeah, maybe they get a few. It's like, yeah.
0: it's the same thing as Daniel's son and Johnny and, in, in in uh, not back to the future. karate kid, <laughs> the karate kid, the karate kid. There's no way there, there's in no universe. Does Daniel ever beat Johnny zero chance? Well, right?
1: unless, I don't, unless he gets that lucky illegal shot in, you know, cause they specifically say <laughs> no kicks to the face. <laughs> Right. But he does. And
0: it like, it should knock him out and kick all his teeth out. But, but like, there's no way he would even get to that moment. There's like, he's, he's been learning karate for three months versus Johnny who has made it like, it's his hobby. That's what he does. Like he's been going probably since he was 10 years old, maybe earlier. And he can obviously whoop ass like same thing. Yeah. There's no way. There's no reason. Anyway, I digress. Very much so. (laughs) So we're in agreement, not a good Star Trek episode does not meet our criteria yeah. at all. Yeah. Maybe a little, but not enough. Right, not enough.
1: There you go. That's a good way to put it. I thought it was a great episode. I'm sorry you didn't like it. Maybe maybe it's just, just because have to- I have such a bad taste of my mouth from the first one.
0: <laughs> well, we're just going to have to agree that you're wrong.
1: Okay, we'll compromise. All right, okay. so what's next? TNG,
0: 703. 703? Yeah, we, got, oh. we got what we wanted. It's called The Interface, originally aired In October 4th, 1993. Okay. So let's get to the, uh, what do you call
1: it? The blurb. LaForge is distracted by the news of his missing mother while he uses a new remote probe technology to search for a downed spacecraft. Okay. I totally remember this one. It rings absolutely no bells. No? Oh.
0: (laughs) None. Okay, well. Season seven is always kind of fuzzy for me.
1: Well, and season seven was definitely hit and miss. This was a miss. (laughs) Do you remember a lot of it? Um, no, I, I remember as, as, I remember when it aired, um, what was the first, what was this first air date?
0: October 4th, 1993.
1: Okay. So yeah, I was in middle school. Um, I remember, I remember when it first aired being bored with it. Like it was not holding my attention enough to stay focused on it. And I think, I think it's because it was a little bit too character focused um, and the, the, the issue and, and the, the, the drama with it was just not, it wasn't interesting enough.
0: Yeah. A La LaForge. I mean, it sounds like it's LaForge centered based on the, the blurb, yeah. but I, I, I don't think I've ever really liked a LaForge centered episode unless they're doing something mean to him. <laughs> <laughs> then it's, then it's fun. But when it's just him falling in love with a hologram,
1: I don't, I don't care. Oh, see, yeah, that was the I, example I was going to give. Like, what about that episode? No, you didn't care? I really liked that episode.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I'll like it when I watch it again in 12 and a half years when it but, pops up. Right. Well, and
1: here's the thing, too. the People always talk about how you should start with season three and start, or yeah, start, start with season three in The Next Generation because the first two seasons are terrible. But season three is almost nothing but callbacks to the first two seasons. And so... I'm pretty sure that episode is in the first two seasons. And in the third season, he meets that holographic person.
0: Right. And she gets pissed right, or something because she finds out
1: that he's got a a blow up doll of her or the science fiction version of a blow up doll of her. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just amazing. Like the first two seasons. Yes, they're not that great. But they make the season three so much better, because like if you watch the first two seasons, you know, all of the the references they're making in season three.
0: Also, what kind of asshole do you have to be to know that? Okay, I know I want to see this huge show that had that had a huge influence on culture, on television, on science fiction, on everything. But you're like, but I'm going to skip the first two. Yes. I mean, after having seen it, it's easy to say, ah, they're not that good. But you can only say that after having seen it. So like the idea that even if you, there, I would never follow that recommendation. If somebody said, oh, you shouldn't watch the first two seasons of Buffy because they're terrible. I'm not going to not watch the first two seasons of Buffy. Right. If you're watching might,
1: Buffy, you're watching Buffy. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's just a weird, it's a, it's a weird recommendation to make. It also is, is kind of shitty because you're saying you're, you're, you're setting them up to not like it. Right. Cause they're, they're going to go in with a, 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 a predefined opinion of it. Yeah. Don't, so don't do that to me anymore. <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Well, let's go watch it and see what happens.